speak to in Jesus' name. I want to read a couple of verses to uh, get started here. The first one is from Numbers, chapter 14, verse 21. You don't have to turn to it, but it says this. But truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And the second verse is also from the Old Testament, Habakkuk, chapter 2 and verse 14. For all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. I don't think we can imagine our earth any more beautiful than that. But the earth as we know it, the world as we know it, uh, does not reflect that desire of God. And this started already in the Bible, that this, uh, this noble purpose was not being, not being met. So, not long after the creation, we know the story of the fall, but not long after the creation, the earth was filled with wickedness. And in verse 11 of Genesis 6, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. That's not good. A couple verses later, God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. A couple thousand years or more later, uh, in the kingdom of Judah, just, uh, just picking out a couple of other examples, the nation of Israel. The prophet said, Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. In Jeremiah 16, um, chapter 16, verse 18, And first I will repay double for their iniquity and their sin, because they have defiled my land. They have filled my inheritance with the carcasses of their detestable and abominable idols. In the New Testament, in Romans 1, uh, it talks about the, uh, the sad condition of sinful man uh, given to doing those things which are evil, being filled with all unrighteousness and sexual immorality and wickedness and covetousness and maliciousness. Full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they're whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, and on and on. This does not sound like glory to God at all, does it? But rather, uh, it looks like the devil is winning and that his purposes are being accomplished. And the fruit of unrighteousness filling the earth. And man, created in the image of God, 
was, is showing the characteristics of Satan. So, how will God, who has planned, how will God turn this about and bring the earth to a place where it is filled with the glory of the Lord? Well, we'll not be able to cover all of this, but we'll look at two ways. One is by judging sinful people. Uh, we see numerous examples in the Old Testament where God brought judgment on nations, where He brought judgment on on Israel. Uh, one example that I'll just mention: when the twelve spies had just come back from the Promised Land with a report that the land was good, but it was impossible to take it. Very discouraging. And in spite of Caleb and Joshua trying to persuade the people that with God's help, this can be taken. We can get through this. And we can conquer this land. But the people would not hear it. And they wept that night. They were faithless and disobedient. And the next morning, they, they uh, murmured against Moses. And it got pretty ugly. They threatened to choose a new leader to guide them back to Egypt. And when Joshua and Caleb uh, begged them, don't rebel against the Lord, they nearly stoned them. And... That's when Moses prayed one of his um, beautiful intercessory prayers. God had said, I'll destroy these people and I'll make you a nation great, greater and mightier than they. But Moses prayed and God listened to his plea for his people. And he made this statement that I read just a minute ago. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now, these people were not glorifying God. Rather, they were, they were slandering Him. But sometime, God said, the earth will be filled. But here He is bringing judgment. The earth will know that God does not tolerate sin. And Habakkuk was prophesying judgment on the evil of Judah. But sometime, he said, as we read a minute ago, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So judgment um, is only a partial victory. Ungodliness will not stand. Uh, judgment will come on ungodliness. But God planned a second and more complete victory. And that is by changing sinful people so that they no longer reflect the characteristics of Satan, but the characteristics of their Heavenly Father. And Ezekiel in the Old Testament prophesied about this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of 
stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do that. And we know about conversion, about the work of Christ. And if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, uh, through Christ, through cleansing from sin and from guilt, and being restored to fellowship with God, there is a conversion, a change, a new heart, a new spirit, the Holy Spirit, God dwelling within His people. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? And Ephesians 5.18 he says, Be filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So, Christians are like a house, like a residence. And the house is to be filled with the Spirit. And he uses that expression, to be filled with the Spirit. And to help us get a a clearer understanding of what what, uh, this being filled might be, Let's look at a few Old Testament scriptures that describe God in His Old Testament residences. So in Exodus chapter 40, after the tabernacle was built, it says in verse 35, And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So Moses wasn't able to go in. And at the dedication of the temple, Solomon's temple in 1 Kings 8 and verse 10, it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. That was in Kings. In Ezekiel chapter 10, it describes some what must be future temples. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the temple when the man went in, and the cloud filled the inner court. And then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and paused over the threshold of the temple, and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. And in other couple of places in chapter 43 and 44, he speaks about the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And he looked, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. 
and I fell on my face to seek you. So, is this the way that God would desire to fill His excuse me to fill His children to so completely fill them? I remember very well uh, when our our double wide trailer caught on fire one Sunday morning. Sunday school was just finishing up, and we were gathering in the sanctuary for uh, the preaching service. Eli was up from the chapel to preach that day, and uh, somebody took a phone call uh, to the church for me. Uh, Jerry, my brother Jerry. Uh, had stopped in at my folks' place and he saw smoke going drifting across the field and raced back to see and saw that a fire back there on our dwelling place. So I left Martha and the children and went racing off to our place to see what was going on. As I pulled in the driveway, uh, well, I cut through by the folks. There was a fire truck out at the end of the driveway starting in. And when I got back there, there was a fire truck already there. And the end of the trailer toward the drive was uh, on fire. And there were a couple of uh, firemen at the door, at the front door, which was locked. And I said, well, I'll just run around the back and come through and unlock the door. So I got to the back door and opened it. And there was smoke. It was filled with smoke. I got down on my hands and knees and pressed my face against the floor. There was smoke all the way down to the floor, everywhere. I could not. I couldn't go in. They just bashed the door in. No worries about the lock. But every cranny and crack of that place was filled with smoke. Uh, fortunately, we lost very little as far as contents. We did lose the, the trailer, but um, all the clothes had to be washed. All the bedding, uh, dishes and furniture were smoke-stained and had to be washed because that whole house had been filled with smoke. And when I think of... Uh, being filled with the Spirit, I, I sometimes think about that smoke-filled house. And I think about myself. How, how well am I, how well are we measuring up to God's desire that we be filled with the Holy Spirit, like we read? How, how completely does God possess and affect our lives. And we've heard it asked, you know, are there rooms and closets and areas of our house, our temple, that are not touched by the glory of the Lord? Can a person be a Christian and not be filled with the Spirit? Well, in Romans, Paul said, now, if anybody does not have the Spirit of God, he is not his. He would not be a Christian. A Christian has the Spirit. Otherwise, he's not. 
a Christian. But there are Christians, and there were letters written in the New Testament to Christians who had the Spirit of God, but they were not filled by the Spirit of God. They were not under the complete control of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 3, And I, brethren, he calls them brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food and so on. And he talks about the uh, carnality in the church there in Corinth, in Corinth. Corinth. It was a problem. I don't think they were filled with the Spirit. So, this is not new to us, but we would be no more filled with the Spirit than we are empty of self, selfishness, and carnality. So, the more filled, the more selfishness, the more selfish we are, the less of the Spirit we have. And we're no more filled by the Spirit than we are empty of pursuits that are more important to us than seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness, whatever it might be. If we're filled with other pursuits, then we're empty of God. And we're no more filled with the Spirit than we are directed by the Spirit. When we're driven by and yield to passions and carnal appetites and responses, pride, anger, covetousness, in our thoughts or our deeds, we're not controlled by the Spirit. If we're controlled by carnality, we're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 55 is a beautiful chapter, a gospel chapter in the Old Testament. And in verse 9 it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He explains what, what that issue is. Uh, I should have started in verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So there's a vast difference between God's ways and thoughts, and our ways and thoughts, and God sees that as a, a dilemma, and I think it figures into this, um, this uh, lack in the world. The world is not filled with the glory of God, and often God's people are not filled with the glory of God. And, and he says before, uh, in that chapter, verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. And let the wicked forsake his way, 
and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy, forgiveness, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And so, what this uh, gospel here in Isaiah is about is about making, uh, bringing, changing people to become so that our thoughts and our ways are more like God's thoughts and God's ways. And he talks about the word going out, uh, like the rain and the snow, and uh, how it nourishes plants and they bring forth fruit. And it brings results. And it changes uh, thorn trees to cypress trees and briars to myrtle trees. And it shall be to the name, to the Lord for a name. Forsake him, seek him. And when we do that, in all sincerity and seriously, something happens to us. The last couple of weeks, uh, I've been thinking about a verse in Second uh, Corinthians chapter four and verse six. That says this, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we know the creation story and how God in the beginning, when everything was without form and void and darkness was over everything, it was so black, dark. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. It uh, must have been one of the most dramatic moments in the creation. Let there be light. And what had been totally dark, black space, now there was brilliant light. What a, what a contrast. What a demonstration of the power of God. He spoke, and it happened. And God sees the seeking heart, a dark, empty wasteland, but seeking, longing for something, and hearing a call from God. And this, this heart, this dark and needy heart, is listening, and it turns to God, turns toward the sound and considers what he hears, and there's a stirring and a responding. And God says, the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness at the creation says, let there be light. And this light shines in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul wrote this, and uh, this certainly happened to him. 
You know, that blazing light there on the road to Damascus that struck him down. That was an astounding thing that happened there. But no less amazing, maybe even more amazing, was the light that was shining into Paul's heart as he realized who Jesus Christ was. The knowledge of the glory of God was dawning in his heart. God said, let there be light. And every corner of his heart was lit with a brilliant light. When Paul was telling this story, uh, uh, giving his testimony to Agrippa about his conversion and meeting Christ on the road to Damascus, and he says there that Christ told him uh, not only did he identify himself, but he was going to, uh, he told Paul what his mission would be, and that he would have a mission to the uh, Jews and the Gentiles. And his mission was to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. And there are numerous scriptures about uh, darkness and light that Paul wrote about uh, in Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And in Thessalonians, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, speaking about uh, the day of judgment coming or the the day of the Lord, that it should uh, overtake you as a thief. You're all sons of light and the sons of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 10. We'll skip a few. But the light, the light is God's Spirit in us, revealing Jesus Christ to us. And through the Spirit, we have fellowship with Christ and we grow in Him. God who commanded, who said, let there be light at creation, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And the light is Jesus. In John 1, it says about John the Baptist that he was to testify that Jesus is the light. This man came for a witness. John the Baptist came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was John the Baptist wasn't that light but was sent
had to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. That light is light. In the first part of John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Light is fellowship with Christ and guidance from Christ and His Word. In 1 John 1, verse 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Light is protection. Walking with Christ, having Christ within us is a protection. The night is far spent, Romans 13, 12. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. And in verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. So put on the armor of light Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's uh, speaking of the same thing. Staying close to Jesus. Staying in fellowship with Him. Saying yes to Jesus and no to flesh and self and Satan. We could uh, think about Ananias. Who... uh, Lied to the Holy Spirit. Lied to the church. And we know what happened to Ananias in the New Testament in Acts 5. Was Ananias a wicked man? I believe Ananias became wicked. He had been one of the disciples, but he allowed a selfish thought uh, inserted and encouraged by Satan. But Ananias allowed it to linger and grow, and he wanted the prestige, he wanted the land. It came to a point where it consumed him. We don't know what all was going on in his mind and heart. But he was not a Christian filled by the Spirit. We're told in Ephesians verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Allowing sin grieves the Spirit, and it defiles the temple. We're not to quench the Spirit. That grieves the Spirit also. Whether it's conviction, wait a minute, what did you just do? The Spirit may tell us. What are you thinking? Or it may be direction, a nudge to do something. Did you notice that need over there? You can help that person. You should really help that person. 
but it means staying close to Jesus. We are, as Christians, we're part of the bride of Christ, and if you think about what makes a good marriage, think of the sweetest couple you know, what makes their marriage what it is. We don't have time to talk a lot about what makes good marriages, but we know it takes commitment. We know it takes love. We know it takes time. We know it takes attention. So we need to be committed to Jesus, to Him first and Him only, our only Lord and Master, our only Savior, and to love Him more than anything or anyone else. We're devoted to Him. That's something we need to work on. I need to work on. It takes time. Marriage with only an occasional conversation and just uh, rarely together, that's not going to be healthy for very long. And we need to pay attention to each other. Make eye contact. There are times to give undivided attention to your wife. And we can miss a lot when we're distracted. If you're married, you know what that's about. But as part of the Bride of Christ, it's critical for us that our relationship with Him has top priority, that we do our part. If we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. And He knocks. He wants us to draw near to Him. He knocks. And we open the door. If we open the door, He enters in and we have communion like He's wrote to the letter in the letter to the Laodicean church. It's hard to have communion through a door. So, we read the Bible. We read the Bible attentively with concentration. We need to be intentional as we read the Bible. That means that we, we read the Bible with purpose and intent, consciously um, thinking about what we're doing, that we are reading God's Word. And I, I, I need to say, too, that we need to read the Bible at length. You know, a verse of the day is not adequate to um, to grow us like God would like to grow us. And we need to pray in the same way, attentively, concentrating, being intentional, praying with purpose, consciously aware that we are praying to Almighty God. And express to Him our love. Don't just assume that He knows that. He does know where our hearts are. But our expression helps our, helps our love to grow. Adore Him. Express commitment. Plead for the Spirit and His work in your life. That ask, seek, and knock. In Luke, 
and ask about needs, the daily bread, the health things that we pray for, intercession for others, uh, for family, for church, for lost people that we know. And walk with Christ, that's, I think, a uh, just, it's, it's living with an awareness of Christ's presence and God's care for me and being sensitive to His Spirit. And it's really, really hard to do that, to, to know that, experience that. If we haven't read the Bible for three days, if we really haven't prayed very much. And then... Uh, Walking with Christ is obedience too. Saying yes to Jesus and no to the flesh and to the devil and all evil works. But as we do that, as we work on that, uh, something begins to happen. And I, I stand here and I talk about this to you as someone who has a lot to learn. I know that uh, there's a lot that God wants to do yet with me. I mean, wants to do work on work He wants to do on me. And um, I don't know how many days I could say I have been completely filled by the Spirit. I'd be uh, hesitant to say that. I know, and I think we all know, what it is like to be more filled at some times than other times. But something happens as we're faithful in our walk, and if we do the things we know that God would have us do so that we can grow. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 and 18, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Amplified says it this way, we are constantly being transfigured into His very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. The New Living Translation just says it this way, and the Lord who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And we should not be discouraged here this morning if, um, if you had a bad morning, a bad weekend, or whatever, and you're not feeling very close to the Lord even, maybe. Don't be discouraged. This message isn't to make anyone feel condemned. But rather, uh, I, I want us to be encouraged that there's a path, 
And if we follow it, God blesses that path. God blesses that that walk. He blesses um, us with fruitfulness. And you know, it's all here about um, from glory to glory. So the Corinthians were babes. They were immature. There was carnality there that they struggled with. There were things that needed really to change big time in them, in those folks. But God saw that. Paul saw that. And he wanted to help them along. You can grow. You can do better. You can get to the place where you can eat meat and you can handle meat and be nourished by meat and not just milk. But let's start with milk. Brother and sister Corinthians, let's start with milk. Be faithful with milk. Keep doing the things that we need to do. And don't be dissatisfied to stay a baby. Let's keep growing. And um, the fruit will keep growing. The fruit that glorifies God and brings glory into the earth. The glory in the earth begins as glory grows within us. Blessed be His glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Beautiful prayers from the psalm and the Lord's Prayer. But those prayers begin... Uh, God wants to answer those prayers first in us. And as we are faithful, we are part of this work of God, this work of God that will bring glory on the earth. All the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And while we're growing, we're glorifying God. There's a song. Are you familiar, uh, Jeff, with uh, 443, Walk in the Light? I expect you are. It's, uh, I think Hayden did the music. Walk in the Light, so shalt thou know that fellowship of love. His Spirit only can bestow who reigns in light above. 443 and that would make a nice closing song unless you had something that works better. Well, may God bless all of you.